Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Want an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news and trends in the NBA? Listen to the NBA Daily Ding podcast Monday through Friday. Wake up and turn up the NBA Daily Ding to stay informed on all things NBA here at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Athletic NBA Show. Monday through Friday on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic. Here, as always, with Anthony Slater out west, Fred Katz out east. Boys, we have got ourselves a play-in, playoff, postseason edition. We're recording on Monday, getting ready for the action, coming at you quick on Wednesday. Slater, I'm going to go to you, my friend, because when you started becoming a regular visitor on this show, it was not by design that the team you cover was going to be coming in hot when it mattered most. But damn, you saw yourself a game yesterday in person at Chase Center. Warriors taking the Grizzlies out. Steph flexing on everybody out there dropping 46 to secure the scoring leader from Fred Katz's Bradley Beal and, and put Brad second. Uh, so we have a great mix today to get into that stuff. But what are you thinking here, man? Your, your Warriors are doing some things. Yeah, uh, that was a big win because it now makes it so this Lakers game is not a must win. Um, they're not on the 9-10 side where you have to win two. They could and probably will lose to the Lakers, although we can get into the matchup. I spent all morning. I felt like Fred Katz this morning. I was watching uh, Steph Curry against Andre Drummond in 2018 against the Pistons and how they were doing split action. And I was like, this is the type of shit Fred Katz would do. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but you know, it is it is it is the sparkling highlight matchup of the play. And it is obviously yes. Warriors-Lakers. And it's the fourth of the four games. It's coming Wednesday night. We're all excited for it. I, it, it gives them a chance to 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 really boost into the seventh seed and face a Suns team, I think they would feel mildly confident against. But at the same time, they can lose to the Lakers, and they still would now. They've set themselves up to have a home game Friday if they lose against probably Memphis, maybe San Antonio, and they just showed on that stage they're just they're kind of a better team than the Grizzlies. Uh, they particularly in this type of win now environment, and uh, I think what they went they they ended the season. 15 and 5 in their last 26 straight wins and I believe they have the best net rating over the last month. 
Slater mentions that the Warriors are hot and they're 15 and five in their last 20. And the team that I cover is 17 and six in their last 23. And I, I know I said on this podcast probably a month ago that I didn't like the play in tournament. And after living through the spring, I was not correct. The playing tournament. Yes. It's, yes. it's very fun. <laughs> the races leading up to it are, are very fun. I was Come over to this side. For I it. was on the wrong side of the issue. I was, I was totally wrong. And, and one of the things that I think is going to be really fun about this is that when you go into playoff series, you tend to do the analysis based on whatever happened over the, the course of a full season, right? And you you kind of take what that mean team is and 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 you use that to analyze whatever is going to happen in the series, you know, aside from injuries and that kind of stuff. And with a single game elimination sort of thing, it's got this NCAA tournament feel to it. And I feel yeah. like these these hot teams, I just I just I don't know if the the analytics people are going to tell me I'm horribly wrong on this, but I feel like these hot teams, the teams like the Warriors, the teams like the Wizards who are just on fire right now, I feel more of a propensity to lean towards those teams in situations like this because it's just the one game where there are so many variables and you just feel like you're going to go with that team who's already playing better going into it. Yeah, no, I love it. And and even to give a, a little bit more of a backdrop, guys, and I think you'll probably agree and to share with the listeners, like hearing you guys kind of get fired up talking about play-in and play-off gets me fired up. It, it is a nice breath of fresh air to have really meaningful basketball. Of course, we would love to be all the way back going into the locker room. And so we're not back yet, but, but even today, I mean, I'm putting together a playoff preview story that I enjoyed talking to coaches and executives and scouts about how they see different matchups. You guys are busy breaking down film. This is, you know, it's corny, but true. This is what we do and why we enjoy what we do. So here's what I'm thinking today. We're going to lean in hard to play in. And I want you guys to talk about how you see that, but I do also want to do kind of a brief, prediction slash, you know, breakdown of the four playoff series that we already know. And, and admittedly, that's kind of what I've been doing today. And, and the story that I mentioned is, you know, all right, what does this executive think about Clippers, Mavs, Heat, Bucks? So we're going to go through all that stuff. Uh, but let's keep it with the two squads that, that you guys cover in different versions. Uh, I was going to say of the same story, very different stories. Should, but Fred, your team let's start, yeah. looks capable. I was going to say, we should start East, because East is the Tuesday one. I know Sam doesn't have the schedule right in front of him. But, I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm not prepared today. I was at the dentist in the auto shop. And Star- and talking Clippers, Mavs. That's a weekend thing. That's not a Tuesday Sorry. thing. D- uh, yo, I, I, as an aside, I went to Starbucks today for the first time in like 15 months. So it was a it was an exciting morning. Oh my, we're, what we're an exciting morning. Normal. Hornets Pacers yeah. is the first of the playing games, by the way. Uh, leading up Coming to, in hot. Yes. Leading up to <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Wizards Celtics. Lamello. Lamello. Hey, guess what? Spurs Grizzlies leads into uh, Lakers Warriors. So, um, Anyway, let's talk Tuesday. Hornets, Pacers, Wizards, Celtics. Wizards, Celtics is the the marquee game. Are, are, were you setting up Fred to to, to uh, lay yes. that one out there? I like this. So you guys are taking over hosting abilities. Now you're setting up Fred. Fred, you have been set up. What say you? Uh, the Wizards are playing really well. And I think so much of it, though, is going to come down to Bradley Beal's health. He was ridiculously hampered during that season-closing game against Charlotte. He even admitted at practice today. He said that he doesn't think he should have played, and it was quite apparent that he 
that he was really injured when he was going through that game. He couldn't run back and transition on offense or defense. He was grimacing the entire time. He was limping every time he tried to run. I mean, I can't remember the last time I've seen a player so obviously hurt trying to play through a game, which was an important game. They The winner ended up getting the eighth seed and it ended up being the Wizards. But you know, I, I don't I don't know how much it was worth it. He says he feels better now. I can't imagine he's going to miss that game. Brad's really tough. He tries to tough out everything. No way. That's yeah. that's why he played. He's not playing in the regular season closer and not playing in the play in. But if he if he can't move, you know, for example, he he guards Jason Tatum obsessively whenever the two play together. They grew up together. They are lifelong like best friends and they insist on guarding each other for entire games and the wizards defensive strategy against Tatum. If Beal can't move like he normally can is going to have to be somewhat different in that game. They're going to have to go with Hachimura guarding him. Uh, You're going to have to go with a different kind of pick and roll coverage against Tatum who just kills you on, on pull up. So, and then you get all the offense that Beal who's second in the league in scoring brings you. So I I think a lot of it is going to come down to, to just, something as simple as Beal's health. And if he's, if he's healthy, then I think the wizards have a, you know, they might be in better shape going into a team that's lost, you know, what is it? 10 out of 15 to close the year. Yeah. I was going to say, and and this is always really hard to handicap when we're not close to these teams in person. So maybe this means nothing, but there's a couple teams right now that I look at and feel like, you know what, I, I don't know if their heart's completely in it. And Boston is one of those teams. You know, it's when you have a team like the Celtics, who in the past has had championship aspirations and, you know, become a regular in the conference finals. And right now, when they look in the mirror with no Jalen Brown, you know, they've got to come to that realization that, you know, that there is a fairly low ceiling on what they can be right now. Um, does that bode well for a Wizards team that, would you know it, there would be great value in them surviving the play-in tournament, moving on to the playoffs? No, nobody more so than with Scotty Brooks and his future as coach on the line. You know, there's a lot for the Wizards to get up for, and I'm not sure about the other side. Yeah, but, for sure. Uh, the Thunder are like what, what before they won that just tankathon against the Clippers. I think they were like one in twenty-three or something over their last twenty-four. Andrew would probably know the exact stat, but that one was against the Celtics in Boston. It was like you know, and, and Boston needed to win the game, and then Boston later, you know, I think what three or four games later loses to the Cavaliers at home. I think Kevin Love had like a big night that night. They have had some. I mean, just bad losses lately Jalen Brown obviously out um and just I mean Sam's mentioned it but just the feeling around that team is completely opposite of Washington what I thought was interesting on the Wizards I watched the last like half for two reasons yesterday I wanted to see who was going to get the eight seed in the east but also I wanted to know how many points Steph Curry needed to to win the scoring title over Bradley Beal and Beal actually had a pretty good fourth I thought he started to look pretty good um but random players making plays on the stretch is Smith was like hitting big leaning floaters Robin Lopez your guy with that like kind of weird hook shot he does um Fred I watch his hook shots so much more closely now because of your piece his his entire this entire run from the Wizards is weird vibes that's what's crazy I mean Westbrook has been outrageous and he's played at an all NBA level for the last seven weeks Player of the month, by the way, it just got announced by the NBA. Yes, Steph did. Curry and Russell Westbrook, players of the month. I was, fittingly. I was just tweeting that out as you said that. There so I was go. only half paying attention to the podcast, but like usual, he's, <laughs> he's been unbelievable. He, he's, he's averaging, they closed the year 17 and six over the 23 games. 
he averaged 23, 14, and 14, and was really playing winning basketball. The efficiency spiked, the turnovers went down. I mean, he was playing at an all NBA level for seven weeks. I didn't have him on my all NBA ballot because he was a he was really bad for the first two months of the year. But for those seven weeks, he was all NBA caliber. And over the last seven weeks, they've been the best backcourt in the NBA. But that being said, Robin Lopez has all of a sudden had maybe the best offensive season of his career. Most improved player, Fred. <laughs> points points per minute, way up, efficiency through the roof. He ended up the he ended the year shooting like 60, 68% or something like that on hook shots. It's ridiculous. That slow developing drawbridge. Hook shots hook later. Shot. Hook shots. Uh, Can you believe that? They, Robin Lopez against what? Tristan Thompson. That's going to be the story of the play. How old Neto's been big for them. Uh, Daniel Gafford has been a giant acquisition for them, just as an above the rim guy who can who can block shots and throw down lobs with those guards. Uh, the, the role players have been really contributive to them playing well lately. No question. All right, Fred, I, I do love you and I love this game. I got to be honest, in my head, all I have like a big blinking headline that just says Steph versus LeBron, Steph versus LeBron. We, That's all I can think about. By the about. way, we so, can get there, but you know, Hornets, Pacers, Sam, we're, we're, you want, we're equal you're opportunity. You're losing hosting, hosting power now. I'm taking hosting power away. <laughs> I'm not trying. <laughs> we'll see what happens in that game. Uh, yes, I'm going to go down the mainstream road. We can go back to... Hornets Pacers if you want. The Indy's full of folks who don't want to be there. So it's a little bit like the Celtics where they're not enjoying their coach and uh and and I'm not sure how motivated they are. And Charlotte's banged up, but LaMelo can do some things. But you know, there we go. There's your preview. Hey, DeMontis Sabonis, you want to talk triple doubles? He's averaging a triple double the last month. Well, and Slater, you and I have lived this together. Uh I, I texted a Lakers person earlier today. And was like, man, it's not quite like LeBron versus the Warriors of old, but you know, they they hit me back. We're like, yeah, but it's going to be electric, and I'm here for it. I love the fact that Steph and Draymond showed so much fight this year, and to their credit, regardless of what happens next, they have you know formed this group of youngsters and new pieces around the Hall of Famers into something substantive and something to fear, I think, uh, uh, you know, not tremendously, but a little bit if you're the Lakers. Lakers have just been, you know, a mash unit, have not had their group together, had no time to get chemistry, obviously looked good at the end of the, the year. But um, this is, there's so much on the line here. If you're Adam Silver, you you have mixed emotions. You're loving the ratings game, although it's pretty tough that it's a 10 o'clock Eastern tip-off. But regardless, like, this is great for the play-in tournament, but if LeBron James doesn't survive and somehow the Lakers lose two games, that's a disaster. And the Warriors would love nothing more than to play a part in that. At least bump them down to the eight. Um, you know, uh, I'd say there's more than expected on the line for both teams, particularly the Lakers, because the Lakers actually have belief and, and, and earned belief that they could go win the title. The Warriors are just kind of trying to play spoiler, make some noise right now. But winner gets into the two seven bracket, which means you're playing Phoenix in the first round and you're lined up on the side that includes the Dallas uh, Blazers series. No, is that right? 
Um, no nugget nuggets blazers. Um, but <laughs> if you lose and you go to that Friday game, not only like, let's say the Warriors upset him, LeBron then has to go and play, uh, an elimination game with the Lakers against like the Grizzlies or Spurs. But even if you win, you're in one eight against Utah, which I believe is a tougher matchup than Phoenix. And also you're on the Clippers side of the bracket, a Clippers team that just tried to duck the Lakers, by the way. Um, so there's like, you know, seeding bad karma, by the way, I don't know about yeah, that. Move. Well, anyway, um, so what's interesting about this matchup, they profile very similarly if you just look at like, you know, offensive defensive ratings. Obviously they're the seven eight seed. They're very close in standings this season. Lakers finished with the number one defense in basketball, uh, which to me is a testament to Frank Vogel. I mean, that there's no Anthony Davis half the season. There's no LeBron for almost half the season, and they're still the number one defensive basketball. But I think they're like the twenty-fourth ranked offense. Uh you know, they don't shoot threes. Even when LeBron and Davis are on the floor this season, they're only a middle-of-the-road type offense, like, you know, uh, 15th or so. Um, so they have their problems there. Warriors on the other side, same thing. Warriors, fifth-ranked defense, 20th-ranked offense, despite having Steph Curry. Like, these, this is should be a defensive battle. And my big question from the Warriors side is, how do they score? The Lakers are perfectly built to defend uh, the Warriors, which is they have pesky guards, uh, veteran guards in the backcourt, where Dennis Schroeder can kind to chase Steph around. Alex Caruso can take a shift off the bench. Caldwell Pope is kind of a proven perimeter defender. Then you have Davis, who can play small ball center on the backside, and I think that's a key. The Lakers probably don't want to use much of a center in this game. The Warriors would salivate in every minute Andre Drummond plays, I would assume, or Montrezl Harrell. Um, and then you have LeBron playing free safety. We've seen it this season with the Warriors. They do all their off-ball stuff, their, their pet Curry action. They lead the NBA in dunks, 370. Um, and that's just because like Steph just creates all these dunks when all these young defenders have breakdowns. The Lakers don't do that. Their veteran LeBron's seen Curry a bunch. He has all these anticipation steals. Um, they're just... They know the Warriors so well, and the Warriors have played so well this season when they go against teams that just don't know how they move because they move so right. differently. And that's not an issue with the Lakers. You think LeBron's in film the, these next two days with Marcus Gasol and Vogel and, and Davis and all these veteran minds, and they know what the Warriors are trying to do. And I'm just, from a Warriors perspective, I would be concerned if they can even score to keep up Damn, in this game. Fred Slater's out here predicting a, a 30-point route, I think. Hey, you know what's amazing, Slater? You talk about the weaknesses with the Lakers. It's like, are we just living in the same season we were last year? Isn't it that the exact same thing people said about the Lakers heading into the playoffs last year? The offense get bogged down. There's not enough shooting. I'm really worried about whether they're scoring since it can sustain during a playoff series or a playoff setting. And then they end up being fine. KCP catches fire. They hit enough threes to be able to get through and they win the title. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is really interesting going off the def defensive caliber of their guards is they schematically are set up to where they are really good at disallowing threes. And Golden State is kind of a different scenario where it's just kind of one guy that you are trying to lock down to make sure he doesn't he doesn't end up getting those off. And it is going to be really interesting to see how they use those guys like Schroeder, who's been really good defensively this year in trying to just make Curry at the very least uncomfortable in those situations. So the Lakers issues though, Schroeder just got out of health and safety protocols. He was gone for 14 days. You worry about his car. He's feeling salty too. Yeah, he was. It was a strange press conference. He, so he said weird. he didn't test. I don't know. Anyway, people can go look up that if they want. But my question is, you know, you don't play NBA basketball for two straight weeks. Now you're told to go guard Steph Curry for 30 minutes. That is 
that's a cardio super test. I mean, you are just scattering around the court at all times. So that's a question mark to me. Um, Davis and LeBron's health, like it's not like we're, we're assured of, of anything with them. I mean, Davis still kind of looks like he's working his way back into shape. He's had, he had a groin. He's had a couple other things. And then LeBron, even in, in the finale, was kind of grimacing a little on that ankle. I mean, that, that high ankle sprain is not going to go away easily. And we mentioned the Lakers and what they did in the playoffs last year. Lakers lost game one against Portland. Lakers lost game one against Houston. Lakers, if the Warriors and Lakers were about to play a seven-game series, I would definitively take the Lakers to win. But it is a one-game situation where the Lakers are the rustier team. The Lakers have bigger question marks as far as like rotation, their center spot, which we didn't even get to. I mean, Andre Drummond, I guess, is going to keep starting, even though he's like probably been their worst center. The Warriors should exploit him. Meanwhile, the Warriors have this eight-man set rotation, set style that they're playing. They're winning games in a one-game situation before they can even really adjust to each other. Maybe Steph Curry gets hot, and then the Lakers are in a very scary situation. All right, I'm going to hit the quick pause button there. On the other side of this break, we're going to lean in even harder on the the Steph-LeBron part of this. And and I want to talk to both you guys about just the personal dynamics. You got two guys who just saw each other year after year after year on the final stage. And this really is, it's obviously unprecedented because the play-in didn't exist before. Uh, But to have two all-time greats, you know, up against these kinds of challenges, uh, I find extremely fascinating. So we'll get into that in a quick minute here. All right, guys, we're back. We're jumping into Steph and LeBron here. I obviously was having a hard time being patient, waiting to really fully get into this topic, but that is a product of many years having covered both those guys very closely. Steph closer than LeBron, but LeBron pretty close himself. And I just, I love this. The the fact that, you know, Steph has been on this war path of sorts all year long, you know, even at this late stage of his career, even with the Hall of Fame 100% locked up, even with three championships, Lo and behold, at 33 years old, he's still out here having to prove himself. The noise about no Clay Thompson means Steph's going to struggle. You know, uh, no Kevin Durant means Steph's going to struggle. And he's just been incredible, special, magical, you know, whatever adjective you want to put on it. Then you have LeBron, who had been seemingly indestructible these past couple of years, you know, dealt with some injury two years ago. But, you know, now, you know, having to nurse his ankle for quite some time, uh, and to get right in time for the playoffs while his teammates floundered. So we saw LeBron's value yet again, even in his absence. But, um, you know, the fact that they're going to clash on this kind of a stage and, and both continuing, even LeBron, I mean, everything he's done, continuing to try to to add to the resume, add to the legacy. I just love it. You know, what are you guys thinking here? Toss Chris Paul in that mix too. I mean, this is um, this is an age, I think, that we're starting to realize the this kind of like modern 2021 uh, realm. Uh, you can you can extend your prime if you really treat your body right and and get on these off season uh, kind of training regimens that these guys are on. And what what's the number LeBron spends a million, two million in his body, whatever. People are uh, dropping. I want first of all, I love that that you alluded to that. Everybody drops a million. And you know Mike Mancias, who was his longtime personal trainer, is now part of the Lakers staff and. I don't think anybody's ever gotten all the details on exactly what LeBron has been, you know, getting for his million dollars. But now all of a sudden, uh, two million appears to become the number. Like Kendrick Perkins on ESPN. It was Perk. I was on. Yeah, it was, uh, it's pectoral yeah. inflation. So I feel like there's like I'm a, I'm I'm not on an email string that apparently people share what LeBron spends of his private money to train, but it is something people routinely cite. And and now I'm on a rant, but I I love the 
routinely guys who make 20 plus million dollars a year cite that number as if it's, you know, incredibly unique and profound. And and it leads me to feel like, why, why don't you all do it? Like you guys can afford it. But, but yes, the guy invests in his body. Yeah. Well, I think it's the time commitment too. You know, how many hours a day in the gym, how many meals that you want that you're not going to eat that, that many that type of stuff. And I mean, it's, he does it, but Chris Paul, I mean, I think Sam, you detailed it some in your recent article, but like part of the reason why he has had a rejuvenation late in his career is diet, right. And just commitment to, to trying to extend, um, the life of his NBA career as long as possible. Steph Curry is a like slight generation below them, right? He just turned 33, but we are seeing it with Steph. I mean, he's gotten bigger, stronger. He's physically in better shape than he was even at 27, 28, 29, to the point that you look above at those guys like LeBron and Chris Paul at 37, and you're like, well, why can't Steph Curry still be Steph Curry at that age? And this season he has proven, yeah, that's like, it's not an unreal, as long as he, as his body parts stay healthy, you know, he doesn't get those type of injuries. I think cardio-wise and, and obviously skill-wise, he's going to age unbelievably well, which has really kind of changed the equation for the Warriors in the next five years. But if we're talking now, yeah, we have two, you know, you would normally consider post-prime stars battling in this game that are still considered mid-prime. I mean, LeBron, LeBron, to, to be honest, is a bigger question He's mark. post-prime. Yeah, yeah, because of this high ankle sprain. He's post-prime, but have you ever seen a better post-prime? The thing I love about these two guys later in life, later in their career, is you. it's kind of becoming a mutual admiration society, whereas before... I think there were different levels of call it jealousy, call it even resentment. I mean, LeBron, I don't think would ever say it. Maybe when he's older and has nothing to lose. Like, I don't think he loved the fact that Steph became the darling of the league for quite some time. And beyond being the darling, being a guy who got routinely talked about as the best player in the game. Now, good on LeBron on the back end. He he went out and, and made sure that people knew, you know, what he was about and and kind of reclaimed that throne. But then you got the all-star game, right? Where LeBron was showing Steph all this love and acting like, you know, you got people writing like about how he's going to recruit him to LA one of these days. Um, I just like the fact that they've kind of, the history is the history. And now it's, it's a little bit of a game recognized game type thing. How about him calling him MVP? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah which, but that's the thing. That's very LeBron though. I'm not saying he doesn't mean it, but guess what? If they, if they take care of the Warriors on the way to winning the championship, it makes the Lakers story look better. So he, he might mean it, but I think that probably was part of the calculus, too. They might have to take care of uh, the Nuggets, too, after that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Our th- our theory on uh, Warriors Plus Minus podcast was LeBron was just trying to butter Steph up. So um, he doesn't come in as petty Steph, which I believe is what Marcus coined it, as he just <laughs> did with John Morant. He, he very openly remembered a, a little... A very small internet beef he had with John Morant uh, like 18 months ago and seemed to channel it into his game the other day. Well, but I think, so here with LeBron, Slater, remember, uh, I'm forgetting which finals it was, but I mean, the the one where LeBron, did he shove Steph? I mean, remember when so, they got into so it? So here, I'll, so you have 16, they beat him obviously, and like... I, I, you know, 15, the Warriors win, 16, the Cavaliers win. They have the back and forth, which includes like shirts, right? LeBron wore the ultimate warrior shirt. Draymond ended up coming back later with the quickie shirt with the quick right. loans arena right, after right. like a sweep. Um, but after the 2016 one, the, the thing that people probably remember most is that party that the Cavaliers oh, yeah. had, that Halloween party, which had like right. 
cookies that had like R.I.P. Clay Thompson, R.I.P. Steph Curry, that type of stuff. Right. Uh, there was yes, there was a lot of just like petty like. I remember I asked shit. I asked Clay about. Remember when I asked Clay about it? We were in Portland, and then and the the pictures of the cookies had just gone viral. And Clay was leaving shoot around at the Moda Center. And I remember in true Clay fashion, I asked him like what he thought about it. And he shook his head. He's like, Man, I don't I don't even get it. <laughs> so it's funny you you mentioned Clay. Uh, like after LeBron left the Cavaliers for the uh Lakers, I, I was doing a story. They were going back to Cleveland the first time and they were about to play a really bad Cleveland team. And I did a story like kind of like a post mortem on that rivalry and I asked him about the cookie thing, Clay, and he was like, Psh bums and he had that's some right. quote yeah that's right and then that quote went viral and then he was mad at me that the quote went viral <laughs> and i was like dude you said it it was just he was like storming off the court in cleveland like i don't even want to talk to you man <laughs> anyway that's an, that's another story for another day but now we got to um, use the video because you literally just tried to do your clay impersonation on video that was good um but yes i think to to, to go full circle on your question sam um they are showing each other, I guess you would say a little bit more mutual respect, but the reality was Steph was always kind of waiting for LeBron to welcome him into that tier. Right. I mean, it's not like LeBron, it's not like Curry was sitting there taking subtle, like LeBron's not even that good type. Like he, he LeBron's LeBron. Right. Well, it's so funny. There's so many layers to it. You got the shared, uh, you know, the shared Akron background, which always gets played up way too much in the media. LeBron's obviously through and through Akron and, and Steph was born there and they moved very quickly after that. But you do have the shared roots on that front. The, to hear you talk about Steph waiting for LeBron to let him in, honestly, my mind immediately went to the irony of that because that is, I think, how LeBron felt about Kobe for a long time. You know, Kobe wasn't letting LeBron into that club early in his career. Uh, and, and thankfully on the back end before Kobe passed, you know, I think they got it to a good place. But I love the dynamics. And and again, you know, now you add in the March Madness element and the fact that, you know, we are used to seeing these guys battle it out in a seven game series. You know, it's going to be fireworks to see it be an all, uh, you know, just kind of all or nothing game. Yeah. You know, what's you know, what's so weird. You guys talk about the stuff of LeBron maybe harboring a little bit of jealousy towards Steph, but it never felt like LeBron versus Steph was a rivalry considering they played against each other so many times in so many important games. Like it always felt like it was LeBron versus the Warriors. LeBron had to overcome this one super obstacle of LeBron versus the Warriors. Even pre KD, it was LeBron versus the 73 win Warriors or Fred, LeBron approves of this message. This is how he wanted us to Great think of framing, it. Fred. Great this is framing. what it felt like. And as you guys know, I'm essentially LeBron's PR guy. So he's, <laughs> he's hitting me up every day, asking me no, to share his takes in the way like, he wants. But that, that really is the way I always thought it felt like. It was LeBron versus basically the Monstars, you know? And now I'm really doing his PR because I'm pumping up Space Jam 2. <laughs> it was Clay Thompson. By the way, Space Jam 2, Jam 2 comes out this year. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, you know, that's, that's what's weirdly like why ever there's so many people in the NBA world that love this Steph Curry season, even though they're the eight seed, they don't have any real legitimate shot at the title. Um, it's possible their season could be over by Friday, yet people will like, you know, view this Steph Curry season in lore because he, you know, as we mentioned, LeBron against the Warriors. Well, you know, people will probably say Steph against the Lakers, uh, you know, basically uh, on Friday or if they were in a series. Should Steph have had to just go do this to like prove that he could? Because there was always that doubt, right? Uh, you know, like, well, does he carry a team? He has so much help. I don't know. That was probably always. It just 
I, yeah, but we I, didn't come up with that, Slater. Like no, I think about no, no, Mark no. Jackson, who you know, who who you know would put Clay on opposing point guards. You know, when he was coaching the Warriors, and I mean this this is the reality of you know every time Steph's profile was elevated, there was always a new element that he had to compare, kind of fight against. You know, a different criticism, a different thing that he didn't do well enough. Uh, and I just this goes for all the guys you mentioned earlier, LeBron, CP. You know, even Russ, you know, Fred, you talk about Russ and the way that he's pushed back against certain narratives. I love it. I like the competitiveness that you see in these guys who could take the foot off the gas, could go roll around in their money. And instead, they try to put together, you know, even more of a legacy and 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 go be the best they can be. You know, it hurts LeBron, Steph, from a narrative perspective. They don't guard each other. Rivalries are more fun when guys guard each other. LeBron, yeah. LeBron Durant with Durant. I mean, Le- Durant always having extraordinary respect for LeBron, clearly. But Durant kind of believing, all right, this is consistently believing. No, this is this is my time to take over. This is my time. Uh, them playing such similar positions, such similar roles, guarding each other in those those facets. I mean that that is, I think, more interesting because there's an actual one on one personal match that we get to see within a game. And when you have two guys who play different positions, you know, there was a reason that Hakeem and David Robinson, that was a rivalry and they had epic playoff moments against each other when, you know, David Robinson wins MVP and Hakeem just slaughters him. It's fun because they play the same position and they're, they're going head to head. And, and that's an element you miss with the LeBron Steph thing. And it's why so many of the best rivalries are just guys who play the same roles. Well, and to that point, I mean, a major part of LeBron's, you know, legacy and the way he's going to be remembered is that I think the finals record is largely excused is the wrong word. But, you know, people are well aware that several of those losses came against an all-time team and those Warriors. And also, you know, losses against uh, not not quite on the same level, but all-time teams with San Antonio. And he has made a career out of having it be different versions of LeBron versus the Monstars. Now, the Heat experience obviously was different. They went and took the super team approach. But what I love about Wednesday to take it back to the play-in game is it's really Steph's first chance to, you know, to to play that role, you know, and have it be flipped. And the idea that it really does feel like this is now Steph against the defending champs. I mean, can you imagine? Again, it's not all or nothing in that first game. So we're not going to have Steph and the Warriors knocking the Lakers out. But, you know, if that did ultimately happen, that would be a hell of a thing for that entire Warriors group to have on their resume. Yeah, I mean, it would almost validate, I don't want to say like validate their season, but, you know, it has been a rocky season for them. It, it feels like, I think Steph said it the other day, it feels like four seasons in one, the way it's just right. twisted up and down. Obviously, the Wiseman stuff sprinkled in, just this like tenuous moment in the in the franchise where they're trying to decide you know they're trying to extend an era while starting a new era all that's going on and honestly there have been failures within it and and very down moments but if they just beat the lakers in a playing game even though it's not eliminating the lakers the lakers would probably go on to win and still be the eighth seed they could probably just lose in the first round and their fan base would be like wow you know great season you you had just the steph renaissance he's probably going to finish second third whatever in the mvp and then just scaring the Lakers like that would just kind of be the cherry on top of of an a weird season, but I guess in the end it might end up being I guess a mini success. It feels like it's leaning towards success, but you're dead on about how many iterations of it there have been. I had a neighbor friend just the other day 
asked me if I thought Steve Kerr deserved coach of the year love. And I, I laughed only oh, because, baby. yeah, I was like, granted, I live in Northern California, so not exactly an objective group, but the, the mere question kind of made me smile. Cause it was like, man, I thought Warriors fans had fired him two months ago. They so, fired Sam, him, rehired him several times. This right. Season. Sam, I feel like this isn't the first time. I don't even know if you've done it on the podcast or not. This is not the first time I've heard you reference a neighbor friend with takes. And, uh, I think it's time we get this neighbor friend on the podcast, oh, or at least to be on the like, yeah. at least at least give him a name so we can make him kind of a recurring uh, Dr. Richard Nygaard off-camera character. Oh, you know? good lord, Fred! You have no idea what you're starting because he'll probably <laughs> listen to the pod. He'll probably then convince me to make this a thing. So he is. I do a weekly radio hit on the Sacramento sports station KHTK. And drunk neighbor John has drunk become John. yes has become a bit of a. I tell him he's like my Baba Booey, even though he's not actually on the show. Old school reference for Howard Stern fans out there. But like John is a Kings fan. This actually didn't come from John though. This was a, a take from another fan, neighbor Steve. Takes all um, across the the neighborhood. Well, it also is reflective of who I watch basketball with these days. I sit in the garage of my neighbor with his eighty five inch TV, you know, watching uh, watching the action, but. Slater, I see you. I was just going to say, I don't know if I believe in Fred. I don't know. This might be like an Ethan radio, Ethan type. Like, this, is, <laughs> this is just really Sam's takes that he doesn't want to say. Or his none of, none of these My guys. My neighbor exist. John said this. I hope it's it a radio Ethan thing. I hope it's not like a uh, Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind thing. And Sam is making up all these people. So it's not only real. You'll love this. <laughs> We're getting very far afield, but this is entertaining enough. Hopefully yesterday, we're watching Warriors Grizzlies in Neighbor John's garage, and I was finalizing my awards ballot. I had the laptop out, and I'm figuring out what I think about various final picks. And I leaned on friend and colleague Mike Singer of the Denver Post, who I used to work with at USA Today. And my favorite part of this conversation was, just for fun, I had Mike on speakerphone, and we were talking through a few different selections. And the neighbors, so we got Neighbor John and Neighbor Steve in the garage laughing at the how do I say like the, the unimpressive um, style with which we were finalizing an awards ballot that it was happening in a garage while I drank a Moscow mule admittedly. <laughs> and so, so John hears Mike Singer on the line. I think Mike didn't like one of John's opinions or his picks. And he said something like, yeah, now I know why they call him drunk neighbor John to which John was like, well, shit, they don't call me sober neighbor. John, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> So if we see Tyrese Halliburton as Rookie of the Year one on Sam Amick's ballot. Oh, no, that's not happening because he has a lot of Kings angst. He's not happy with the local franchise. Uh, He's ready for them to go to Seattle. Uh, Yeah, he's he's done. Ready for them to go to Seattle. All right, now that is a drunk neighbor John take. Uh, Should we talk playoff matchups that don't include the Sacramento Kings? Yep, let's dive in. Uh, I'm going to go top of mind because the breakdowns are not in front of me. Let's go. Clippers, Mavs, uh, just prediction, quick reason why. Uh, Freddie, let's go your direction. All right. Well, I'm going Clippers. You're on the spot. I'm going okay. Clippers. I just, there are a lot of reasons not to pick a bunch of teams. And and I, I kind of feel like the Clippers are set up okay to 
come out of the West. And if I'm feeling okay about them coming out of the West, then I'm feeling okay about them coming out of the the first round. You know, they've got such incredible wing defenders and nobody guards Doncic well. But if anyone's going to do it, it's just Paul George and Kawhi Leonard annoying the hell out of Doncic and sticking to him and fighting through screens. Uh, I think they, they have the incredible capability of guarding incredible perimeter defenders. Uh, so so I'm going to go with the Clippers, even though Dallas closed the season strong and is is playing well. And the Clippers, uh, I don't know. I feel like losing to OKC on the last day of the season should disqualify you from the playoffs automatically. But <laughs> but but I'm going I'm going Clippers. So they played last year in the bubble um, and it was what well, I think it was two seven was that was the matchup then. And uh Luke or uh, Kristaps Porzingis was like really good. Remember in like the first couple of games, I think he got ejected in one, and then I think he was really good in game two, and I think it might have made it one one, and then he got hurt. That's I believe when he left with the meniscus, and that changed the series. Um, Luca still had that great game winner, dragged him to six, but that was almost like a surprise that he got him to six. Kristaps is back. If he's the Kristaps Porzingis we saw in game one and game two of last year's series, I think Dallas really has a chance, but. Porzingis hasn't been that all season, really. I think Dallas' supporting cast is a little bit, honestly, a little bit lesser than they were last year. Um, and I like the Clippers a bit more, you know? I mean, they had that wasn't the first issue they had in the bubble, just closing out the Mavericks. So Zubach has now kind of gotten got a more concrete role. I believe Ibaka is going to be kind of still part of the rotation if he's back at this point. Um I think the Clippers might win the West, to be honest. I could honestly see that. Was it you, Slater, or our Fred, who one of you guys predicted the Clippers in the beginning? I was preseason. Slater? I was yeah. preseason Clippers, yeah. I might so have been preseason sexy. Clippers. They do really weird stuff. Like once every few weeks, they just have a game where you're like, why, why did I pick them? It's the OKC game. And they had one of those against Dallas this year, by the way, when they lost by like 50 to 50. Dallas. Right, right. Right. Hundred percent. So I'm it's gonna be boring to keep we're all picking the same team here. I've got the Clippers coming out, but I like where they're at. And, um, it's funny cause you know, the coach of the year race, I feel like there's legitimately seven, eight, nine coaches that you could at least talk about to give them some respect. Ty Lue is one that, you know, got the Clippers in a good spot near the top of the West, um, has combined load management with, you know, actually competing on, I think more of a consistent level and not being as obnoxious, if you will, with the load management stuff. And, and, you know, they've not had Paul and Kawhi, fairly big chunks of the year and are still in really good position. I think they're feeling good about their group and I'm watching Ty Lu closely in these playoffs because as we always talk about legacies and reputations, things like that, if Ty, I know this is a big, if we're, we're just getting started, but if the Clippers win the whole damn thing, then Ty Lu's got himself a, a pretty interesting coaching profile. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and I feel like everything I've heard about where that group is at right now they are extremely content, not content in a, you know, in a happy where they are type of way, but just they have a good vibe. They have good chemistry. And you couldn't say that a year ago. And we'll see if it bears out. But uh, but yeah, I got the Clippers coming out. I mean, I guess I'd put six games if I was uh, picking games, but that's how I see it. How do we know how the crowds are going to be in some of these places? I believe I just saw Utah is going to have like 11,000. Maybe I saw Charlotte, I believe, for the playing game, although. 
Yeah, they yeah they have a home playing game, right? I think I saw they they're allowed to put in twelve thousand. I don't know if they'll get that many, but I'm just curious as we you know discuss it. Bubble, it was absolutely zero home court advantage. Now, like, how much are we factoring in home court advantage? I think it matters, and I also think it. Somebody today told this to me. Um, they're curious about just the bubble. In the bubble, it was it was the guys that played really well and left you kind of wondering like if you played above your normal level then does that mean, and it's probably maybe unfair, but can you then deduce that you're simply not as comfortable in front of a packed house? And, you know, there's that idea that some players, you know, are in their heads a little bit in certain environments and maybe we're even more comfortable in the bubble. And so does having some fans impact that? I'm just curious, like a team like Dallas, knowing just the municipality there and the fact that the Texas Rangers can have 40K on opening day, like, I bet they're allowed to have a lot of people in there. Right. Just, no, hey, I don't have clarity, but that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I mean, the Warriors had like 5,000 yesterday. It was like, you really felt it. There was even a, a section full, everyone was uh, in a seat in one entire section because it was a vac section. Right, right. Um, just, I don't know, it's going to add to it. Particularly if the Utah Jazz have 11,000 in, that's going to be a really tough place to win. Sure. Sure, sure. All right, anyway. before we get to, we don't know who Utah's playing yet, but uh, Denver, Portland being the other West series, what do you guys think happens there? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Denver. Portland's Portland's defense still just scares the crap out of me in a playoff scenario. Denver, even without Jamal Murray, can get so hot. Michael Porter Jr. Your your MIP, right, Sam? Is that your MIP? number two? Number two. Your number two MIP. Yeah, Julius hey. Randle, number one. But well, Fred Katz absolutely loves the MIP award, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm baffled by the MIP award because I never know if I should pick. pick. Yeah, I just never know if I should pick the guy who, who improved in the most significant way or the guy who improved the most. Anyway. Call drunk neighbor John. He'll give you the there, exact <laughs> There we go. MIP. He'll tell uh, me to choose Rashawn Holmes. I'll <laughs> be good it's to go. Good pick, actually. He had a good year. He got much better. <laughs> Yeah. But not in a significant enough way. So he's not oh, on my ballot. Man. Michael Porter Jr. has been awesome, though. Has gotten so much better. He is such an incredible shooter and now such an incredible creator for himself. Like that guy can get in a clean look at any point in the clock whenever he wants. He works wonderfully off of Jokic. They've been so much better since they got Gordon, even with the Murray injury. I just think they're going to slice the Portland defense. Like, I just think they're going to be regularly dropping 130. And I'm sure Lillard with no. Do we know Will Barton's status? I looked at that this morning. He's been out. I just don't know if he's going to be ready. So to me, that in San Francisco. Yeah, he has a hammy. And I just, they're down a weapon in Jamal. And I think this is the time of year when that might reveal itself. Now, if I, you know, my prediction there would be Denver in seven, I think it's going to be a good series. The Portland stuff is 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 you know is confusing, and they feel like there's conflicting information there because you know we reported recently about you know the Terry Stotts uncertainty with his future, and it it felt for a minute like it the wheels were coming off, and then they had a really strong finish to the year. Nurkic, I think, is an X factor in this series, and you know his ability or inability to deal with Jokic and stay out of foul trouble. So I think it'll be a great series, but I think Denver survives. Nurkic is is the X factor because yeah. he he's a really underrated defensive player, and and when he's on the floor, he can really protect your defense or protect your rim, and he's he's a lot more mobile than I think he gets credit for. And if Portland is going to stand a chance in this series, they just they need to be able to 
defend capably, and he is easily their most important defender. And if he can get rolling, I mean, look, when he's off the floor and you got in your bench, you got Canner and Mello playing together. I mean, that's very exploitable. So he is right. super important. Slater, you, what, you got Blazers Nuggets. I'll probably take Nuggets. I don't feel that strongly about it. I don't really like either of them in the playoffs. Um, it just, I think the Murray injury, you just lose that kind of star. It just weakens you. One thing I would say is like, like I was saying earlier from, from the Lakers perspective, they really want to be on this side of the bracket because if the Lakers do beat the Warriors, um, they get the Suns and winner gets the winner of Denver, Portland. Like you got to suddenly think, I mean, Lakers are, are, I don't know what you guys would think about Lakers Suns, but I would consider them the favorite to come out of that side of the West bracket and, and make right. the conference finals compared to All the right. other side's tougher. I hear you. All right, you're getting ahead of yourself there. Let's jump over to the East. Um, I want. I, I got a personal preference for Bucks Heat, so I'm going to save that for last. So let's do Hawks next, which is pretty damn compelling on its own. I mean, you know, Nate McMillan takes over for Lloyd Pierce. All of a sudden, you got to upper, you know, echelon Eastern Conference team, Trey Young, he's got a lot of help. They were winning games without Trey Young. Bogdan Bogdanovich finds his game. He is a guy that going into the trade deadline, even though they had just signed him last summer, you were hearing chatter that, that maybe Bogdan would be available. And um, they're deep. They've been really good. Uh, but man, those Knicks, I mean, they have an identity. They got the city on fire and people excited. So I think that's a good series. Fred Katz, Knicks, how on fire is it? Both teams are on fire. Both teams yeah. are playing great right now. Think, because uh, I was looking at this last night because I wanted to see if the Wizards had the best record in the NBA since April 6th when they had that 17, because they were on that 17 and 6 run to close the year. And uh, the Wizards have the second best winning percentage in the NBA since April 6th because the Knicks are the best. I mean, they they defend like crazy. They're physical as hell. I don't think they're as talented as Atlanta at all. This is a really hard series to pick because the Knicks execute really well. They have a lot of guys who are having incredible defensive seasons. And Atlanta has played it a different way since Nate McMillan took over. The offense is flowing well. They're a lot healthier. I I, I don't know. I need I need help from you guys. I don't know where to pick this. I, I maybe lean towards Nick, the Knicks just because they have home court, but it's such a Weird series in terms of contrast of style, contrast of play. You've got a lot of guys who don't have playoff experience. It's just weird. Totally It'll be fun. I think it's going to be really fun. Garden's going to be rocking with however many fans they have. Hall of Famer Mike Breen, by the way. Congratulations to Mike. Absolute legend and phenomenal person. Was happy to see that. But it's going to be, uh, to me, the Hawks, like you said, Fred, they have the depth, the offensive firepower. Um, I am... I'm going to, you know, maybe it's ill-advised because it's not what my brain tells me, but on the heart side of things, the Knicks seem to have an it factor that I think can help them get out of the first round. They seem incredibly motivated to please this Knicks fan base the that has been factor. dying for 20 years. What was that, Slater? I said the it factor. When, when I covered when I covered yes. Billy Donovan, whenever he, he would use the phrase the it factor, he used to always refer to it as he has uh, what I like to call the it factor, as if he had come <laughs> up with the phrase the it factor. So I've always secretly wondered if Billy Donovan believes he invented that phrase. <laughs> so Thibodeau has got to be just absolutely locked in a room figuring out ways to 
to kind of exploit Atlanta right now. Nate McMillan doesn't have the the best playoff history of late. He doesn't. Um, but I mean, are we underrating Atlanta right now? I mean, they're deep. They they got scores. Um, they and you know like. You know, Fred, I don't know where Atlanta ranked on that, you know, since April 6th uh, stat you had, but it's high up there. You know, they're, they're winning a lot of games, too. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's like it's it's a fun series. And do we know how many people MSG is allowing in? And Slater is on five, the fan 5,000. 5,000. I think um, it's 5,000. I am on the fan kick, Sam. Are Spike Lee and Charles Oakley? I'll take Atlanta just to uh, just to go against you guys. Nick's, right, Nick's got, playoff tickets starting at like $1,000. Really? I saw that high. somewhere today. Starting at $1,000. Good Lord. I got Nick's in seven. Slater's going Hawks. Fred, what was your pick? I guess I'll go Nick's in seven because game seven to be in New York. I think it's going to be. I think this is this has potential to be the most fun first round series. Sure. How about All the right. most impactful one coming up, Sam, or the the team with yes. the pressure? There's a lot on the line here. There's a lot on the line. We got Bucks Heat. Um, you know, we have these playoff series every so often where a team doesn't just lose; a team is traumatized. You know what I mean? Like a team, you know, then you know instantly has Thunder Warriors. <laughs> Yes, hundred percent. Thunder giving up that three-one lead to the Warriors, and and then you know the salt in the wound of the Warriors stealing their franchise centerpiece. So yeah, that would definitely qualify. But when the Bucks fell to the Heat last year, it was embarrassing. And I don't normally assign those kinds of words because you know you can't speak for these players and these coaches, but you could tell. I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo was sitting there as a two-time MVP and a Defensive Player of the Year last year. And they had no answers. They did not have the proper adjustments. They, you know, and they will be the first to tell you this. They also were up against an incredibly challenging, unique landscape where, you know, the Jacob Blake shooting had just happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the Bucks were at the center of, you know, the stoppage in play. And so, all right, that I, there's a lot to look at last year with and say, I get it. I understand why you guys struggled, but it, it, to do it again, uh, I do think would cost Mike Budenholzer his job for one. And, you know, I mean, listen, Giannis has signed up long term, but I guarantee you it would leave him with an incredibly terrible taste in his mouth going into the offseason. And for them to get this rematch against the Heat right out the gate, I mean, if if they survive it, then I think it can galvanize them and who knows what kind of special run they could make. Uh, but if they don't get the job done, it is going to be ugly. All right. I I mean, I'm taking I'm picking the Bucks. Redemption. Okay. Redemption. Redemption. I am as well. I go Bucks and six. Fred's got Bucks and how many? Oh, wow. That is a very Brandon Jennings pick of you. What does that mean? Bucks and six. That's what Brandon that was Jennings. Like his famous quote, right? That was what Brandon Jennings picked in a I'm Bucks series. A in a Bucks right, Heat series, I believe. It was Bucks against the LeBron <laughs> Heat. And so yeah. there was like one eight, you know, and they had no chance. And yeah, and he picked somebody. by before the series, he picked Bucks he and said, six. And everybody Fair. loved right. it because we were like, all right, reasonable. You got you guys losing two games. It's <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, Bucks, Bucks and the, the, the full Jennings sounds pretty good on this. Uh, they look, they didn't have Drew Holiday last year, who has been really, really good for them. Uh, I mean, a huge difference maker on both sides of the floor. And they look, you talk about traumatized. They made schematic changes to their defense this year because they were so traumatized. They were so all in on the way they defended last year. And after it got exploited for a second straight year, 
in the playoffs. I mean, now it's like, I don't think you can read an Eric name uh, story without him mentioning that they switch more this year than they did last year. It's, it's, it's their whole defensive change, right? We switch so much more and obviously having drew holiday helps with that a lot because he is just, I mean, you could make an argument. He's the best defensive guard in the league. He's, he's excellent. And so I, he told Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports that he was the defensive player of the year. Yeah, which I don't agree with, good. but I have him yeah. on an all-defense team because he yep. is he is great. He's awesome. Uh, but but I think I think the Bucks learn from their mistakes. I th- I think Giannis is so great, people that great, that driven, learn from their mistakes in playoff series. Uh, I think there are different ways that they're going to figure out how to use him to exploit Miami. And look, Miami is. Miami was rolling last year and playing at the peak of what that team can do. And they're going into the playoffs playing really good basketball right now, but we haven't quite seen them carry over that consistent style of basketball. We saw them play in the bubble throughout this season. So until, until I really see it from Miami in a playoff series, I'm just, the Bucks are a better team and I think they're going to look like a better team in this series. Do you guys believe Giannis will hit jumpers? Do you, because Miami's going to make them. You know, that's the whole wall it off. I mean, we mentioned what smart defenses can do to Giannis in a series. And, and I mean, you can mention the greatness of Giannis and the fact that guys that talented and that driven usually figure it out. But has he corrected the areas that Miami exploited? I mean, look, one of the things you can you can do as well is if if Miami is guarding him that way. Last year, Giannis has to handle the ball a disproportionate amount of time in that series because Eric Bledsoe completely vanishes in that series, right? Just as he did in the playoffs the year before. And now you can rely more on Drew Holiday and you can start to use Giannis more as a screener. I'm not saying completely take the ball out of Giannis's hands because that's not going to happen and it shouldn't happen, but you don't have to rely on Giannis handling the ball to the disproportionate degree he did last year. So I think Drew Holiday just changes so many of the elements in this series when you stick him in for Bledsoe. Um, I don't know if Giannis is going to hit jumpers. I just think Milwaukee is that much better than Miami that they're going to be able to make up for it. I agree with what Fred said. I don't think Giannis is going to hit jumpers. Um, I don't have confidence in that yet. I mean, it's fun to watch when he does it in the regular season. He had a game a couple days ago with quite a few threes. So there's been improvement there, but that's not going to be the the solution, the fix, the end-all, be-all. I think it's going to be Bud, like you said, Fred, getting the ball out of his hands somewhat. I mean, you know, it's easy for us to say that it's such a cliche every postseason to – to criticize a coach for not making enough adjustments. And then we don't ever actually provide the adjustments. But, um, but there was that being said, a lot of truth in that idea last year, people with the bucks who were very frustrated. We reported a couple of weeks ago that like he is hundred percent entering this postseason with a very, you know, significant amount of pressure on him. And it's born out of what happened last year. Cause they're all looking to evolve, right? Like again, locking Giannis up means that, that they checked that box. And, and so now, uh, you know, underperforming is not acceptable and certainly, you know, not surviving out of the first round, no matter who the matchup is, is completely unacceptable. So, you know, the, we got a good series there, good series everywhere, a good podcast, mostly in the books, unless y'all have more hot takes and, or Fred wants to complain about Julius Randle for most improved player. 
I'm voting for Julius Randle. I, I will just get on the record as saying I'm picking the Bucks, even though I've doubted him a bunch. Oh, I didn't give you a pick. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. no, it's fine. Um, you know, it's Giannis really impressed me in that. Re- I think Sam, you were just kind of referencing these games. It was the Nets. They played the Nets in back-to-back games. He had like 49. He was like, yeah, he had some jumpers, but he was just physically just killing Brooklyn. Um, and I don't know why. I watched that game and I was like, hmm, I think maybe they're mad- ready for a run. Right. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's one of those teams that in Utah comes to mind this year. I don't necessarily think I'm picking Utah to win the whole thing, but but how many times have we seen these teams that they take their lumps for a couple of years, they learn, they grow, they evolve, and eventually they they kind of they break through that wall. Uh, no pun intended. So we'll see if the Bucks can do that. Gents, enjoy it. Wednesday is going to be fun. Steph versus LeBron. Can't wait to read y'all stuff. Fred, you're still covering basketball, which is incredible. Never thought that was going to happen. Yeah. Where are we? Oh, <laughs> Tuesday's going to be fun. That was fun. not even intentional. I completely overlooked Tuesday. Wizards yes, Celtics going to be Tuesday. fun. <laughs> yeah, Triple Double King DeMontis Sabonis going at LaMelo. Man, I'm about to go down to LA and and cover this Warriors Lakers game in person. That's not actually happening, but but yes, there's games Tuesday, games Wednesday, uh playoffs start Friday, Saturday. Which day? Saturday. Okay. All right. Guys, it'll be fun. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next time.